Hello. 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 Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Hi. Hello? Hello? No, I cannot hear the news. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I am speaking. Yes. Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Ten, nine, eight, six. It's Teachers Talk Radio. Four, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Hello. Hello. It's a shikri. Yes. So yes. <laughs> no problem, Shakriya. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Lovely evening so far. Yes, it's been great. Thank you. So, tonight, like I was telling our listeners, we are joined by Shakriya, and her journey is nothing short of inspirational. She's come all the way from Afghanistan, and she's done amazing things in the UK so far. 
So Shupriya, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, so yeah, thank you, Krishna and Teachers Talk Radio for having me on this program. Um, I am Shukriya and I'm from Afghanistan and have been living here for the last 10 years. So I did arrive around uh, late 2011 at the age of 14 and I am now 24. Lovely. Shukriya, um, one of the things that I first came across when I was looking through your work and the reason I was interested in you for the very, very first reasons were was a picture that you posted on Twitter. Um, it showed some young girls in a school um, standing in front of a blackboard with a very powerful message written on it. And I saw that you had translated it and it read, those who go to school become humans and light in humanity's eyes. That image I found to be quite moving. Can you tell us a little more about your schooling in Afghanistan? Yeah, so uh, that photo that I shared on Twitter is actually from my local school in my mum's village. Uh, mm -hmm. where I have been briefly. Um, right. I can't remember that moment when the photo was taken, so I don't quite know uh, the exact moment what I was doing, which lesson it was, but I am glad that it was taken at that time because there's a beautiful couplet, like you said, written on beautifully on the blackboard behind me. And, yeah, I pretty much grew up with that mantra, and um, given the rich tradition that we have of oral poetry, it wasn't quite unusual to uh, know so many poems off by heart and recited it wherever and whenever. Um, right. And yeah, about my schooling in those days, uh, my birth village is in mountainous region um, and between each valley we have about 30 to 40 households on average. And given the few numbers of the students and all, you know, the overall poverty as well, each village couldn't have a school of its own. Uh -huh. So we would be, you, you know, we would have one school for every three or four villages. Um, so this meant like, you know, a lot of students had to walk very far uh, from their own, um, from their villages to the school. And I was one of them. So um, it took us, I think, more than an hour and possibly between a one hour, 30 to 45 minutes um, to go to school. And mm -hmm. it was really a trek and a hike uh, in the true sense of the word. Um, up and down very like rocky mountains and steep mountains to get to the school and all of the students from my village would meet together and that would be about I think about 20 uh, girls we would meet together and we would walk together for the whole journey this might sound fun a little but I, mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't um, because discipline was taken very seriously and we weren't allowed to, uh, to walk at any pace we liked or however we liked, we had to walk in a line behind each other in uh, in the order of height. Um, right. I can, you know, can you imagine walking behind someone else at all times up and down a mountain at their pace, but not your own? And I've done that for over a year. Um, so yeah, that was my schooling in village, but I've also briefly lived in the city. Uh, mm -hmm. And my schooling experience there was quite different from the one in our village. In the city of Ghazni, you know, our local school didn't have the capacity for younger year groups like mine. So they would find us the nearest empty shops as classrooms. Uh, so my class was pretty much always in the move from one shop to another. Uh, mm. Yeah, that sums up pretty much my schooling. Um, I'm quite interested in in the mountain climbing that you mentioned, the hikes. Did you have the footwear required for mountain climbing? I mean, we had what we, you know, at the time that was, I suppose, okay. But uh, looking back, I think we could do so much better. At that time, uh, you know, it was it was fine, I guess. We had the right, you know, food um, and also the uniform and also the shoes, yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing you were all dressed perfectly for school, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So we would have, uh, you know, full on black outfit uh, with just a white headscarf. That's pretty much uh, the uniform throughout the entire Afghanistan, I believe. Yeah. Right. Okay. And okay. can you describe to me what that scenery would be when you climb those mountains? Um, um, was, it, was it pretty? Uh, it was pretty much... Uh, well, obviously the route wasn't straight, so it'd be quite jagged and uh, rocky as well. So we'd follow the path that was already made by others. So, you know, follow that trail 
and also lots of lizards. <laughs> oh. We would have lots of those and at times even snakes. Um, but because we were together, I wasn't quite afraid of those, although I am generally scared of those, uh, you know, wild animals. But it was one good year that I spent there. Sounds quite adventurous, Shakir. Definitely, yeah. And have you had a chance to be in contact with the friends that you made from school? Not from Afghanistan uh, so much, but I have also briefly lived in Pakistan. So, um, yeah, I do have, uh, you know, some of them on social media and that's how we stay in touch. But the ones I made, uh, my friends from Afghanistan, I was quite young, so I cannot remember all. But mm -hmm. most of them, the ones, family, friends and everyone else who, who I knew, have almost all of them left Afghanistan now. Right. So, um, yeah, they're now in uh, the neighboring countries, either in Iran or Pakistan or, uh, you know, places like Kyrgyzstan or, you know. Right. Okay. Places. Right. And what languages were you taught at primary school in Afghanistan? Um, it was all my schools. They were all in Dari or Farsi. Um, but we were taught, you know, basic Arabic um, to read the Quran. Also some Pashto. Uh, mm -hmm. But English was taught privately, actually, and separately outside school for those who were interested. But I think I've heard later on that uh, within the curriculum, they did introduce uh, English as well. Right. Okay. And so your primary education was in Afghanistan, and then you arrived at the age of 14 in the UK. Yeah. Right. So it, the cultural shift... How did you find that, the social and cultural shift? Was that a big shock for you initially? Yes, definitely. So, um, as you can imagine, everything was uh, hugely different, especially mm -hmm. uh, when I shifted from school from Afghanistan to school here. And yep. I remember very well when I first came to the school here, I don't think I actually felt like the community was friendly at all, as friendly mm -hmm. uh, as the ones I had been back home. Uh, right. For instance, you know, everyone has a group of friends they always hang out with in here. They don't usually mix with others. Right. And especially bullying is such a big issue here in the schools. Right. And back home, it was never like this. Uh, everyone was each other's friends. We didn't have just, you know, different groups that would hang out only with their own members. Nothing of the sort. It was very, very different. And unfortunately, when I started at the school here, that's what I noticed about the relationship between the students mm -hmm. and uh, also even within one tutor group, you would have many groups and also people who are alone and not right. part of any group. So it was really, really sad to see this actually, and not just in my school, I've actually been in other ones as well. Right. And, you know, um, so it's not just my school that I experienced, but elsewhere too. And uh, that's pretty much why I also struggle to make friends uh, here. Um, right. Because I want to be friends with everyone in, uh, in my class. Um, but I, that was impossible because if I was to speak to one person, I'd have to stick with them. They wouldn't like to mix with others. So it was really difficult, yeah. yeah you, you, what, you, what you just said, you remind me of some um, things that are happening in our schools here at the moment. So there seems to be this, this idea that if you have one friend, and you spend some time with them, maybe during a lunch break or something, and then during the next break, if you sit with someone else, then the first group of p uh, kids tend to think that, you know, you, you, they've been abandoned. Or, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I had to begin with uh, someone taking care of me in the first week, taking me yeah. to the right classrooms and stuff. But, you know, with her group of friends, you know, if I was to stick with them, you know, sometimes I want to, you know, try and speak to others as well. And, you know, I did that initially and it felt like, you know, I was abandoning them, like you said. Um, and it's not the no. greatest feeling in the world. So, yeah, you know, to have others think that, you know, you don't talk to them anymore just because you speak to someone else. So, yeah, yeah. in that sense, it was it's difficult in school these days. And how did the teachers support you as a new foreign student? Um, like I said, I did have, you know, one student taking care of me and uh, but it didn't quite work. Um, you know, they did assign someone, but, you know, uh, there was no follow up as to how it's going, whether, you know, that person, that individual was helpful at all. 
but at mm -hmm. that time i suppose my teachers did as much as they could uh, mm -hmm. other than that i would say i really kind of had to navigate through the school on my own really mm -hmm. and what memories do you have of your first lesson oh i do remember it really 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 well actually <laughs> so after registration at tutor time i um I don't know if it was English literature or language, but I do remember that we were reading Romeo and Juliet, and uh, you know, not only were the class reading uh, the you know the play at a pace that I couldn't follow at all, but also because it did not sound like English at all to me. So, we in terms of the accent, you mean? Yeah, accent also the Shakespearean English. So right. it's usually different, actually. Mm -hmm. So we read the entire play and, you know, the year moved on and ended. Um, but years later, I realized that, oh, it was Shakespearean play. So, uh, yeah, in most of my, of my lessons, I was pretty much clueless as to what's going on. So, yeah, it did yeah. take me a long time to pick things up. Okay. Well, that must have been quite a struggle. Being in a new country, being in a new school, new language, new culture. It was, uh, I can only imagine as a 14-year-old how difficult that must have been. It definitely was. Honestly, I think I, I even though I had 100% uh, attendance and I even got certificate, um, I had literally did not. I did not really wake up and you know thinking, oh my God, I'm so looking forward to school. That was not me for the entire year. Only um, from ten onwards, it got better a little. All right. What did you enjoy about being at school? Uh, yeah, just like I said, uh, from year 10 onwards, it got better. And the only reason was because I was going to Kate Clanche's poetry workshops once a week uh, nice. during lunch break. Mm -hmm. um, how Kate and I met is uh, an interesting story. So mm -hmm. Kate Clanche was at the time our writer in residence. She had uh, organized a poetry competition for the year 10s. And my tutor being very keen on, you know, getting everyone uh, from his tutor group to enter competitions, made us pretty much write one and give it a go. Um, like in all things I do, pretty much, I give it to my all. So I couldn't write well in English. So what I did was actually write in my own language and use Google Translate to translate. Right. So and surprisingly, I actually came first place. Uh, so after all, Google Translate is not so clueless. <laughs> um, and useless um yeah when the results were announced i really felt like you know at the time um that i did something and i have achieved something and going to school was really worthwhile so after that um kate invited me to attend her workshops and to write more and so i did um our workshops were pretty small i would say about eight to ten or fifteen students at times um, they were mostly from my own uh, kind of background, from uh, my own background. So right. they were all girls as well. Um, so it was the only class, I'd say, that I felt confident to actually speak and ask questions. Mm -hmm. And it was from this one point onwards that I actually felt like, you know, I was doing something and, uh, you know, I was good at school, <laughs> not just doing it because I had to. Mm. And then, yeah, fast forward, I, you know, by the end of year 11, I had managed to pass my GCSEs, stay in school for A-levels, and then also A-level was once again a quite big step. Um, you know, I couldn't write as fast as other students, you know, my time to coursework wasn't great, but I thankfully did manage to get my a good enough grades to be able to move on to university. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we began actually to prepare for our university applications, I learned that I couldn't actually uh, go to university because I didn't have the same rights as everyone else, simply because of my immigration status. And right. um, yeah, I'm still on a temporary visa and I didn't have access to student finance and I had mm -hmm. no funding of my own. And my student uh, fee would be at international rate. So that would be a lot. Um, right. So, yeah, it was difficult at that time uh, because I felt like, you know, all my hard work was for nothing. You know, dream of going to university and higher education was pretty much gone down the drain. Uh, so, yeah, I ended up staying an extra year in school and did an extra A-level in creative writing until I figured out what to do. And... Um, 
it wasn't actually towards the very end of that year, the extra year, that I came across some universities offering scholarships for refugees. I had never heard of it before. Right. Uh, I was so desperate, basically, <laughs> trying to Google however ways to fund my uh, education, and I actually came across that. Uh, you know, it was just like a glimmer of hope. Um, it felt really amazing knowing that there are such uh, support out there. Uh, mm. There is, you know, um, growing opportunities for refugees. But obviously, at that time, uh, it was a new thing and the places were really limited and competitive. So I knew that my chances of getting in was very low, but I went for it anyway. Um, and then in the late summer, I was actually offered two, but not, you know, not one, but two scholarships. Uh, mm. One was a fully funded one at Goldsmiths uh, and a partial one, uh, just uh, covering tuition fees at SOAS. Um, but given my interest in PPE in Goldsmiths, I, I chose to study there. Right. Um, Shukriya, was it always um, a very natural step for you to, after schooling to consider university? Or did you think maybe I'll try my hand at something else? Because not everyone really goes to university, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose for uh, you know, people who've lived here most of their lives, their parents have lived here, maybe university is not so much of an option anymore. But for me, uh, for my dad, who's, you know, come from all the way and tried to uh, give me this life uh, through such difficult means, you know, going to university was pretty much what I was expected to do. Mm -hmm. Because I'm actually the first one to, from my family to attend higher education. Uh, let alone university or a master's degree. So, right. yeah, it was always a thing. It almost felt natural um, for me to, to do it. Basically. And you've done beautifully well because um, being able to study at the London School of Economics is not an ordinary feat. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Does it often dawn on you that you are one in a million, as in, you have what a major part of the girl population in a lot of countries can only dream of, which is education, and that too, such a reputed education. Does that ever, ever dawn on you? Absolutely. Um, honestly, I'm very, very grateful to have, you know, made it this far and completed my bachelor's as well as master's, both through scholarships. You know, I would have never thought um, I'd be, uh, you know, this lucky. I do wish that, you know, one day this isn't just an opportunity for the lucky few, but a basic yeah. right for all. Um, that's what I wish um, from the bottom of my heart. When you were faced with all of these difficulties and when you found yourself trying to apply um, for scholarships, what actually kept you going? Were there any points where you felt like just giving up? Yeah, definitely. That year when I realized, you know, you know, my dream of going to university depends on, you know, financial, um, you know, finance and money and not just a few, you know, pounds here and there, a few yeah. hundreds, but lots of money. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, this was the end. Um, but honestly, I I had supportive teacher like Kate, who, you know, yeah. kept me uh, very much, uh, you know, busy with poetry and things in that extra year um so i do owe it to her for her support throughout but also to my parents you know for their continuous support despite the fact that they there wasn't so much they could do uh but because of my dad's you know you know journey to the uk he's the reason why i have the life that i do right now so in tough times i do say to myself that if my dad could bear three years of a journey on foot from Afghanistan to the UK only to give me a better life, then how could I give up this easily, you know? I should keep going and it is the least I can do for them as well as for myself. And I certainly do keep reminding myself not to take everything for granted. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I suppose I do repeat and remind myself at difficult times is um, this too shall pass and things yeah. will not stay the same if you act and put effort things will change and uh you know to the all to all the girls around the world i'd say you know humanity has a long way to go and it needs you to bring in your positive change to it right 
Um, Shikriya, did I hear you correctly? You said that your dad walked to the UK. Yes. Um, so it actually took him three years. Are you happy to share some details? Uh, yeah, sure. No problem. Um, so, um, yeah, my dad's journey took him three years. Um, he left Afghanistan for Iran first. At that time, I suppose I was, I think, a toddler or even uh, one year or I don't know. But I was very young. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, he worked in Iran for a couple of months in the con construction sites until, you know, he had earned enough money to go um, and make his way to Turkey. And then from there, he worked uh, as, again to make his way over to Greece and then to Italy. And then from there to Calais in France and then uh, finally Dover. Um, throughout his journey, I'd say he was, I think, deported once or twice from Turkey. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, he was beaten horribly by Coast Guards and the police. He worked for very little wages, went with very little food for days, you know, food and water. So, yeah, there's so much I could go on about, but I think more than that would uh, get me a little emotional. But yep. yeah, for those interested in the details, actually, there's a book um, written by a Hazara boy's refugee uh, journey to Italy. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's called... In the Sea, There Are Crocodiles. Uh, it's narrated by Fabio Jeda, if I'm pronouncing that right. And it's all based on true events. Um, uh, actually, earlier this year, uh, this month, I had uh, the opportunity to attend it being, you know, uh, played on uh, stage in theatre in Oxford Playhouse. And it felt like, you know, seeing my dad's journey unfolding right in front of my eyes on stage. So it was really, really different experience, uh, experience seeing it. But please do check out the book. It's honestly incredible. Right. So is the, is the, is the book called In In the Sea There Are Crocodiles, is it? Yeah. yeah. In, in the Sea There Are Crocodiles. Wow. Definitely need to check that one out. The other story from Afghanistan that I found really moving was Parvana. Um, Parvana's story. It's called The Breadwinner. Yeah, so Brad Renay, yeah, the movie actually was supposed to watch that. I even attend, you know, went to the theatre to watch it in uh, one of the schools in uh, Oxfordshire. But uh, oh. yeah, something happened and I had to leave immediately, so I didn't actually get to uh, watch it. But yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the movie is, is a very recent um, thing. I think it came out about one or two years ago. But the book is quite powerful. Um, in fact, that's one of the books that I recommended to one of the teachers in the senior school here. Um, it's about a, a girl who has to dress up as a boy in order to be able to uh, look after her family in Afghanistan. Um, very, very moving stories. Definitely will check this one out. Um, Shukriya, were your parents involved in your school life? Uh, unfortunately, no, not much at all, actually. Uh, my parents don't know anything about the education system here at all. At the time, uh, you know, when my dad dropped me off on the first day of school, uh, he literally knew nothing, uh, literally same as me, of the school, you know. He told me to take care and that I would be okay. And I think that was enough for me to hear from him. And even to this day, I don't think my parents know which university I do my master's in. And all they know is that, you know, they're both in London, both universities that I did in my undergrad and, and my master's. Mm -hmm. But I think they will they will uh, see the logo and uh, you know all that kind of stuff on graduation ceremony this come uh, uh, this December I hope. Uh, right. Yeah. Overall, they were really really not involved at all. I've made my choices. I did consult them a little, but yeah, they've been supportive, but clueless throughout the whole journey. Wow. Well, I'm sure they're going to be extremely proud because we are all going to be extremely proud when you graduate. Um, on your graduation day, Shakriya, you said that you've had to make all of those choices yourself. So, how did you decide? Who who helped? Where did where did the information come from? Um, so, my parents, like any other Asian parents, I'd say, um, they were keen on um, medicine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I personally had no uh, interest in that. But also, um, at the time, you know, having the grades uh, also mattered. And I didn't mm -hmm. have those grades, um, uh, you know, quite simply and honestly. So um, mm -hmm. in choosing A-levels, 
we have that two week in the first period of the term where you kind of try out different subjects to see which one suits you best. Mm -hmm. So I did try out the sciences and uh, they were definitely not for me. So I made a huge change and went for humanities. So I, in school I did government and politics and uh, philosophy and ethics, uh, English literature and right. all the rest. But it was really my government and politics uh, A-level that I thought, uh, you know, politics and advocacy especially was really for me. Okay. Mr. Mr. Dan Glade's book, if he's listening at all, uh, he really, really inspired me. Uh, it was his support um, that honestly that, you know, introduced me to a whole different field that I thought I would mm -hmm. never be interested in. And also my dad, actually. Um, mm -hmm. He pretty much uh, is interested, like any other Asian dad, in politics. And yeah. listening to the news every single time we have lunch and dinner really had some impact on me as well. It would trigger some debate between us, you know, and that's how it really started. Right. It's, it's, it's very nice of you to mention your teachers, the, the ones that inspired you. Um, going back to what you said about Kate, uh, Kate Clunchy, um, the first time I heard of Kate Clunchy was just a couple of months ago when she was in the middle of a controversy about over her book. And the, and the last thing I remember reading was that she was rewriting it because um, there were some things that people did not agree with the way she wrote about her kids. But it, I think it would be nice for her and for everyone else to see how, how much of an influence she's had on a young foreign child who came in and had no clue and was made to feel loved and, uh, and like she could achieve. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Um, you are at the moment a human rights student and a political student at the London School of Economics. What's it been like so far? Uh, it's been great, to say the least. Um, mm -hmm. Given, you know, COVID circumstances, I'd say I have had a very good uh, experience of both student life as well as the academics. Um, you know, I was able to pick, uh, you know, the modules that are, were of my choice. And they were taught mm -hmm. by, you know, great lecturers and teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, in the end, I did carry out my own independent research. Uh, yep. which was on the you know most understudied genocide, which is the Hazara genocide. And I reckon I've pretty much become an expert in this field, I'd say. And I'd mm -hmm. love to carry out a further research if and when I have the opportunity. But I definitely had have had a great year in, um, at LSE. Why did you choose humanity, um, human rights and politics? What was the trigger? Um, I feel like I should write, uh, read out my university person statement here. Um, <laughs> but I suppose, um, given my journey and my background, uh, studying human rights was kind of natural because I've uh -huh. you know, had to fight for my basic rights um, and still do. And I do wish um, to go on to human rights advocacy or NGO and charity work. Uh, but I, now that I've studied you know, the course, mm -hmm. I'd say it really was the course for me. Okay. Right. You've also started a non-profit organization called UniArc. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so, yeah, a couple of um, friends and I decided that, you know, it was time to put our beliefs of, you know, social equality and justice into action and use some of our team power into, you know, bringing some positive change. So earlier on the year, I think around February time or March, I can't remember, we launched UniArc with the hope mm -hmm. of you know, promoting access to higher education for um, those from persecuted backgrounds like myself, whether it be you know, religious persecution, ethnic, or simply for your sexual orientation. So yeah, these are the most neglected and vulnerable uh, population um, when it comes to uh, educational opportunities. So what we offer at UniArc is a one-to-one -one mentoring with the university application from you know the very beginning of the admission process to the very end and beyond so um things like you know finding the right courses identifying the right scholarships you know making a competitive application you know preparing for the interviews entrance exam all those sorts of stuff we offer at UniA. um this is our first year of operation and we've decided to open up to disadvantaged students from the uk 
just to see things, you know, how they go. And yeah. at the same time, we're also trying to expand our team so that we can uh, go international and, and mm -hmm. aim really for the target communities from developing countries uh, in the years after. Uh, what we hope to do is, you know, raise funds to support students uh, sit IELTS exam, you know, travel to visa centers to get their student visas and also other costs they might incur uh, when making application to universities in the UK and Europe or US potentially. So okay. we are being a little ambitious here, but we are working hard to actually raise funds for our own scholarship if possible. Right. So yeah, to those who are listening right now, um, if you believe in our cause and would like to offer your support in any way, please do get in touch. Um, just type in newnyork.org on Google. Um, all the information is pretty much on the website. Or you can also drop me a message on Twitter um, at Shukri Right. Shukriya, we are, that was lovely, and I want to talk to you at length about uh, Uniarc, but before that, I'm just going to get take a short break and come back. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So you are listening to The Late Show. We are in conversation with Shukriya Razai, um, a student at the London School of Economics, and she is originally from Afghanistan and came to the UK many, many years ago, and we are talking about education comparing education in Afghanistan and the UK and looking at what we can do to improve education all throughout. We'll come back after a quick advert break. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black History and Beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about Black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. And welcome back. You are listening to Teachers Talk Radio and this is The Late Show. We are in conversation with Shikriya Razai, a student at the London School of Economics. She is majoring in human rights and politics. Shikriya, we were, uh, just before we ran into break, we were talking about UniArc. Now, as someone who came to the UK many, many years ago and has gone through a lot in terms of um, experience, um, both challenges and successes. Um, you have started an initiative, you and your friends have started an initiative that is extremely important and personal and close to you. But has it ever dawned on you at some point that what you are trying to do here is not just challenging, but also something that requires a good amount of your time and personal investment? Yeah, definitely. Um, Shukriya? So, can you hear me? You've gone on mute. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Hello? Shukriya, I can't hear you, but I can see that you are still on the line. Uh, Could you unmute, please? Hello, can you hear me? Uh, 
Um, yes, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I'm not able to hear you, Shukriya. Nope, I cannot hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? Do you want to hang up and give us a call again? Yes. Maybe that will work. Yes. So for all our listeners, Shukriya Rezai. Yes, I'm inviting her in again. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Nope, I can't hear you, my dear. Um, I can see that you are connected, but I can't hear you. I'm not entirely sure why. Hello? It's okay, don't worry. We, we have plenty of time. This is a 90-minute show, so don't worry. Uh, do you want to try calling in again? Or maybe just click on the call button. And as soon as it, it shows up on my screen, I'll let you in. Hello? Yes, I've just sent, uh, clicked on invite. And it shows, shout, and the screen tells me that you are a speaker now. Hello. Hello. Um, okay, I'm sending you another invitation now. Maybe if you could just click on accept. No, Shukriya, I'm not able to hear you. Oh, hello. It's probably an internet thing, maybe. All right, what I'll do is I will play the advert. Yes, I will send you an invite. I'll play the advert, and in the meantime, I'm going to try and connect to you again. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read, write, ink phonics, floppies phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things Black History and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about Black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses. All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hello, welcome back. Hello. We are in conversation with Shukriya Razai. Shukriya, are you able to connect with us now? Hello, can you hear me? Hello? To our listeners, we've been experiencing some technical difficulties in reconnecting with Shukriya. Shukriya, I can see that you are connected, um, but I can't see you call in. I'm going to send you an invite. Hello? Yep, it says that you are a speaker, but we're not able to hear you, Shukriya. Hello? 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 Do you want to try calling in? If you click on the call button as, as a regular caller. Hello? Hello? Nope, 
It's not showing up. It says that you've hung up. It says call ended. Let's give it a couple more minutes and then if it doesn't work out, then we'll just have to reschedule maybe. But um, Shakira Razai, yes, it shows, tells me that you've entered the studio. I'm inviting you now. Hello? Hi, it says you're oh. a speaker, but I can't hear you. Hello? If you check your email, I've sent you an invite as a host, so maybe that will work. Is it not connecting? No. Hello, can you hear me? Uh oh. Okay. Do you want to try um, hanging up and then starting fresh? So maybe just refresh your browser. That's fine, Shakriya. Don't stress about it. It's okay. These things happen. Um, do you want to? Close your browser completely and oh, and it's still and still not working. All right, maybe try logging off and then coming back in again. Yes, please. I'll wait. So in the meantime, we can listen. To some in support of your phonics teaching, did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the Assertive Leadership and the Emotionally Intelligent Leader courses. All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hello. Hello, we are still trying to connect with Shakriya Razai. Um, she says she's speaking, but we are still not able to hear her. Hello? All right, Shakriya, if you've tried everything, like um, disconnecting your headphones, speaking directly into the speaker, refreshing your app, logging off and coming back in. Yes? Hello? All right, let's try it with headphones this time. All right, Shikriya, like all things, is being extremely helpful and positive, which is lovely. So we'll just see if she's able to connect Hello? through her headphones this time. Hello? To the rest of our, well, Shukriya just said that you ended the call and I'm now accepting your invitation. Um, I can see that you have been connected to the show. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Maybe try taking your headphones off if it's still not working. Maybe that way it will. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? All right. 
Well, unfortunately for us listeners, um, technology is failing us. I guess we had quite a bit of discussion planned in terms of UniArc and how education should move forward. I guess we are going to have to postpone this conversation to another date. Shukriya, is that okay with you? Hello? All right. So, dear listeners, you were listening to um, The Late Show with me, Krishna Sanal, and Shakriya Razai, a human rights student at the London School of Economics. Um, Shakriya tells me that she can hear me perfectly well, but we are unfortunately not able to hear her. Never mind, Shakriya, technology um, cannot always be relied upon. Um, and can this is know? just an example of that. Do not worry at all. We will take this conversation um, forward in another week so i think that's all we have time for tonight hope you have a great evening the rest of the uk and australia continue to have a wonderful morning thank you shukri for giving us your time and for giving us a huge part of your journey and a huge part of your life um i hope to carry this conversation forward or maybe start all over again sometime um next week or the week after whenever we are able to do that Thank you, everyone. That's all we have time for tonight. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at tjradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.